Do you believe in your business and want it to grow quicker? Make more sales, scale the business? <laughs> yeah, me too. I just love helping women in business and I want your business to be the best it can possibly be. You can expect truthful accounts of the highs and lows of business, struggles, traumas, epic highlights and priceless moments. I'll be sharing how this busy mum scaled a business from a local class in a village hall to 60 franchisees internationally. So let's get started. I'm Charlie Day and you're listening to the Entrepreneurs Growth Club podcast. This episode is sponsored by Joe Middleton, founder of Franchise Business School, helping franchisors and aspiring franchisors strategically turbocharge their business growth through a range of comprehensive online masterclasses, exclusive membership, and one-to-one mentoring. Head over to franchisebusinessschool.com to find out more. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneurs Growth Club podcast. I've got a treat for you today. One of my lovely mastermindees is joining me, Christina Rutherford. Christina is a growth and marketing strategist and is a wealth of knowledge. Hello, Christina. Hi, Charlie. Hi, everyone. Um, So let's start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. Tell everybody about your journey into this, because I think you've had a bit of a bit of a different journey into entrepreneurship, certainly than I have anyway. Yeah, I think sort of going back, I've always, always wanted my own business. And um, I studied marketing and was that was my course is to do marketing, go out into the world and do that. And then somehow I ended up in the NHS <laughs> um, as a as a manager in the NHS and really enjoyed it and progressed my career so fast um, that it kind of became a bit hard then to make that shift into running my own business. But I always had this sort of nagging feeling that I still needed to do it. It was an itch that needed I needed to scratch. And so I found myself setting up side hustles, as I'm sure many people who are listening to this podcast have done. And using that as a way to still do the marketing stuff that I couldn't do in my NHS career. And so I've had a a wedding blog. I've had a children's clothing brand. I set up a legal business with my husband, but it never, none of the ideas ever quite felt right. And it took me a long time to realise that I was doing all of that stuff to do marketing, (laughs) which is what I was really good at. What I'd done before I went into the NHS and so it took until a coach said to me why don't you just do the marketing stuff then um for me to realize that that's probably where I should be and ever since that decision like I've just not stopped I've like never been held back and I'm just at the point where I've left employment and I'm now out there in the world showing people how to market their business and helping them grow their business with marketing techniques that don't take up all of their time and are really effective. I love that you've mentioned that as well, because I think, as we know, being an entrepreneur, you have to have a tremendous amount of tenacity. Um, Every single entrepreneur that I know has failed multiple times, but a lot of people would have given up if they'd have created these, you know, side hustles that hadn't worked and hadn't worked. Why do you think that you didn't give up? Do you think you've you've got an awful amount of tenacity and resilience um, 
because a lot of people would just have given up wouldn't they yeah I think and it is hard it's like none of this is easy and people that think I think there's a lot of friends and family that are like oh you're starting a business and see it as a hobby and things like that and some of those businesses yeah probably did fit into the hobby category but it didn't make them easy and it was just the stage of business that they were and they weren't a hobby for me but I think like people have described me as a dog with a bone in in my <laughs> corporate life as well as like outside of that and I'm definitely a go big or go home person I can't do anything on a small scale so I think I was always searching for that right thing and when you read about entrepreneurs like Richard Branson and stuff the amount of businesses that they've had that haven't gone anywhere it's practice isn't it it's learning how to get there and I think if it's something that you really want and I've always wanted this then you know it will happen you just need to you just need to put one step in front of the other and keep going um and not give up and I think for me it was finding the right thing which is marketing rather than finding another vehicle to do marketing um but that would be different for everybody and I think you're right you know talking about Richard Branson people don't remember all of the businesses that failed yeah. you know only you bring that up it's like oh yeah so true isn't it um but people remember him for like the huge success that he is and I remember when me and my sister had a lot of success with phonics with robot reg people would say to us like oh my gosh you two are like an overnight success and we were like yeah there's nothing overnight about us like we've tried we've failed we've been sued we've you know had no money we've had to ditch you know ideas along the way like if you knew if you only had an idea what we have been through you won't be saying for a second that we're like an overnight success. It's just that you've only started sort of paying attention now that we're at this level. Yeah, and I think there was a big mindset shift for me in terms of I've only just closed down the the personalised children's clothing brand because I'd built that. It was successful on its own, but it was never going to be scalable. So it was never going to be a, a business that I could leave my job for. And I think... I I was really conscious of what other people thought about me not pursuing that anymore after I tried to convince them that it's not a hobby. <laughs> and so that played in my head. And I was like, I needed to ditch that to be able to actually go and explore something that really is going to work for me and is going to tick all the boxes of what I want in my life. And now I've got two small children. I need a business that works around them. And I need a business that brings in the income that supports the lifestyle I want and I think some some people may feel that challenging to say but I've kind of got on a journey with that as well is that I know that I want a certain lifestyle and I've got to build something that delivers that for me. Absolutely and I think that that is where people do go wrong and I always say start with the end in mind you know yes a personalized children's clothing business could be hugely successful but what does that look like at the level that you want to bring that income in and I think yeah. you have to be really realistic about that as as any entrepreneur just using that as an example obviously because you just brought it up but like you know if you're listening to this and you don't have that clearly in your mind go and brainstorm it out like start with the end in mind and work back and, and really understand what sort of business you need and what financial model you need to work with as well to get to that success because I think so many people don't know that 
Yeah, and it changes on the size of the business. So for me, the personalised clothing brand, I outsourced the printing and the embroidery, which was great, but the costs were high, so the margin of profit was low. So under that model, I'd have to make it really, really big. But then by the time it's really, really big, you need other resources and infrastructure to support that as well. So it's, I think you're right, start with that goal and then like how would the business look at those different stages rather than just what it is at the beginning? Because I think when you start multiplying up the numbers, you start to realise that you've got to bring on more costs. <laughs> you can't just... And sometimes it just doesn't add up. You know, people are like, I want this little business at home, but I want to be earning X amount. Well, to earn that X amount, lovey, you would need a warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> need a whole team of people and people haven't realized that and then the penny drops and they think actually this isn't the business that I want to be running yeah and actually it's not the lifestyle they want because they've got to have staff to run the warehouse and you know all of that kind of stuff which was probably never part of the the dream (laughs) so talking about marketing for a bit where do you think that most people go wrong with their marketing I think quite often people just try and do everything and what and not necessarily consider what's going to deliver their business results. So I see a lot of people on social media growing their social media accounts, but they're not focused on why they're growing their social media accounts. And for me, for every marketing activity you do, it needs to deliver a result that's going to help you move your business forward. And you don't need many activities. You just need a few really effective ones that all link together. And I think a lot of times I see people that come to me and they've started all of the social media platforms at once. And they're trying to do blogs and they're trying to do PR because they've seen success from other people. But businesses that can cope with all of those things are usually quite well established and they've put the layers in first. I always talk to clients about marketing is get a layer working and then build on it and just keep adding your layers. And when you add them, it will multiply the effect. But if you're building all of it at once, it's not going to do that for you because you're just going to run out of steam, particularly if you're not a small team or you're just on your own. You can't possibly make all of those tools work for you effectively. And you have to build things in a consistent way otherwise you're just not going to see the results if someone was listening to this and just thinking things aren't happening for me at the moment like I'm just what 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 could they do where where should you start yeah so map out your customer journey from not knowing anything about you to getting to know like and trust you to being interested in your products and services, to buying from you and then the after sales and map sort of map those stages out. And then I'd have a marketing activity for each of those stages. So, for example, getting to know you when they don't know anything about you. Social media is good for that. Um, podcast, you guess podcasting is good for that. Um, then moving on to sort of getting to know, like and trust you. Email the most effective marketing tool for that and actually you can then nurture people on your email to get them to the buying from you stage and knowing about your products and services making the purchase decision really easy and easy to do and easy to act on 
but not forgetting about collecting reviews, you know, at the post-purchase stage and also getting that feedback from customers to make sure that what you're offering is brilliant. But I would just do one activity for each of those stages to begin with and figure out what works, what, you know, social media posts work and stick to that. Don't, don't add lots of things in at all of the different stages to begin with, because once you've got one that's working, that will keep things ticking over for you. Awesome. And let's talk about email marketing. I've been very honest with you in the past. It's <laughs> my favorite thing. I'm getting better at it. Um, social media, I enjoy. I've always done it. It's been a part of who I am. I love my podcast. Love, love, love things like this and my Sunday Night Live. Email marketing is just not something that I've loved. Tell everyone why they should do it. Why do we all need to be doing email marketing, Christina? <laughs> well, biggest return on investment of any marketing activity. And it's because you've got a place to hold those people that's your own. So you own your list. The money is in the list, as people say, and you own it. And when people are on your email list, if you've got a really engaged group of subscribers, because what you're providing is valuable to them, you know, they want to open your email and read their email, then they're much more likely to buy from you. And if they're not ready to buy from you when they first come across you on an email list, you've got time to continue that conversation with them that you wouldn't have if they just appeared on your website and then disappeared or seen you on social media and, and then moved off because you've not got the algorithm deciding whether your email gets to those people you're directly into the inbox and you can't control if someone comes back to your website or not but with email you've got that you can control the communication um, and it should be like having a conversation with people so these people have trusted you with their email address you get to talk to them when they first wake up in the morning if that's when they open their emails or whether they're having a coffee break and that's valuable time for those people so think about what you would say if you were face to face with them and that's what you should be putting in their email so that that you're meeting them where they're at in that in that everyday context that they'll be reading your emails one of the biggest questions that I get and I would just say, you know, I do email my list out regularly and, and I am on top of it. It's just not something that I have um, found the easiest on my journey in entrepreneurship. But one of the questions that I get um, quite often from my clients is how often should we be emailing our emailing list, our mailing list? Yeah, at least once a week. If you don't do it once a week, then your chances of getting into the spam box are higher. And that's because people don't recognize who the email's from. So you've got to train people that if they get an email from you, it's worth reading. So the content has got to be good and that they're more likely to engage with it. If you're not doing it often enough, people aren't going to recognize the name when it appears in their inbox and they're less likely to open it. If they're less likely to open it, the more likely it is to end up in spam because your list is less engaged. But if you're not already doing weekly emails, don't just start doing that. You need to warm up your list first because <clears throat> you could just end up sending everybody to spam. So if you've got a list and you haven't emailed them for six weeks, don't just go and send them an email. You need to pick off, segment the people that are more likely to open it first. But if anyone wants some help with that, they can find me and I can show them how. It's all very complicated. It's easier in practice than spoken about. I think I just don't want people damaging their list after I've said email weekly. 
Uh, let's talk about social media then. What social media platform should we be on and why? Which one can we not be on? Tell us everything. Completely suits your business and your style. So if it's something that you enjoy, you're going to show up on it more, aren't you? So I think pick platforms that you enjoy. Pick platforms where your ideal customer is. So if you do a lot of B2B, then LinkedIn might be something to consider. If um, you've got a slightly younger demographic, maybe TikTok, although that's kind of moving in its demographic now. But I think as a business owner, people kind of exist on all of these different platforms and use them for different reasons. So it's likely that your target audience is on there. You've just got to figure out how to find them and produce content that pulls them towards you. So for me, it's about what you enjoy doing because you can't go on a social media platform and just post content and then not engage with people because you've got to do both the engagement and the content. So you've got to enjoy being on it. Otherwise, you're not going to do the engagement and you're just not going to see the results you should have. Do you think the aim is that we're on all social media platforms eventually? I just want to talk to you about Jenna Farmer. Um, Jenna is one of my podcast sponsors. She also is in my mastermind and she takes care of all of the PR for Charlie Day Sales. So if you want to make 2023 the year that you and your business is featured in magazines, newspapers and TV, Jenna Farmer is a journalist and PR who teaches businesses how to consistently get amazing press coverage that helps take their business to the next level. To start your PR journey, join Jenna's free Facebook community and get your business in the media with Jenna Farmer. All of the links for that are in the show notes. Um, you can also follow Jenna on Instagram for quick and easy PR tips. She's Jenna Farmer PR. Go and um, check Jenna out because she is amazing. She's had me featured all over the place, including Red Magazine, um, Forbes. I've been in all sorts of places. So um, Jenna is definitely worth checking out. We are really pleased with the work that she's done for us. Um, it depends on the business. So for something like mine, for marketing, yes, because I'm showing people um, what I can do. But if you are, have a business that doesn't need that, then it's wasted effort. If it takes you more effort to do and you're getting the amount of clients you need to hit your goals and your growth goals, then why, why would you do more unless it's quite easy to kind of grow sideways in terms of the social media I think a lot of people do marketing for the sake of marketing and for me it should all be around well what's that piece of content going to deliver what's the effort of being on that platform going to deliver for your business because even if you can automate things even if you can pay people to do it it still takes up your headspace as an entrepreneur <laughs> it also adds to your stress levels when you're setting it up so for me you've got to be really purposeful about what you pick and do it do it in a way that it works for your target audience but also for you so that it works for the business do you feel like some people just do no marketing yeah I just met with a client actually who's been living off um associate contracts for ages so people that she used to work with who um subcontract work to her and she's been living off that and not done any lead generation and I think she's been in business like three or four years now it's really you know she's a six-figure biggest business owner she's definitely 
you know, making a really good impact in her industry. And she's not really done any marketing. She's sporadically posted on LinkedIn. But now she's running out of those contracts and she wants to change the shape of what she's doing. She wants to do it under her name. And she's realizing that she's got that gap in terms of marketing and sales that she needs to fill. And it's a bit alien to her because she's never had to do it before. She's had a 90% conversion rate on sales calls, which is brilliant. Yeah. That's because they're all really warm leads. They all know, like, and trust her because they've had that referral from the people that she used to work with. So I think there are some unique places where you can live without marketing and sales, but they're rare. <laughs> yeah, and, and marketing is <laughs> go go hand in hand and I do feel like as you grow and scale you need that marketing and sales strategy more than ever before and and I do think because I see it um that people don't need it right at the beginning sometimes you know um if you look at influencers people who grow an audience very quickly uh, but the lack of marketing within a business equals the lack of sales within a business so it's not that you can't grow an engaged audience it's not that you can't get a a business off the ground but actually it's that growth that I feel that people just don't get to if they don't have this yeah and that's the stage she's at that's I think it it can take you so far but if you want to grow you've got to do the marketing behind it and and the sales behind it you it's going to run out at some point (laughs) You've got to fill up the pot. <laughs> so another thing that I hear people saying is like, it's just so much, isn't it, Christina? We need a business plan. We need a business strategy. We need a social media strategy. We need a video strategy. We need a marketing strategy. We need a sales strategy. Like, And, and everybody in the online space has just added like strategy on the end of like what they are. And, and it's overwhelming. And so then people are like, well, what do I actually need? Yeah. And for me, it's going back to that. What is your customer journey? Picking that one activity and starting with that. Don't don't go and like create everything all at once. Layer it, do a bit, add to it, do a bit, na- like nail it, get the results and then add to it um, as you move forward. And strategies, like a lot of people get put off by the word strategy, particularly if they've not been in the business world or have business training or anything like that. A strategy is just a thought through plan that gets you from A to B. So it's a tool. It'll help you get there. And once you've sat down and done the thinking, the action should be so much easier because you know what you're doing. You shouldn't have to be thinking about how many times you need to post or what content you need to be putting in or you know, what do you need to write in an email to get somebody to buy from you? Because you've already done all of the thinking in your strategy. It should make it easier. Yeah, that's what I would say. It's just like a plan. Like, you know, if you were going on a journey or, you know, going on a holiday, you make a plan for that. Like, oh, how are we going to get there? What time are we going to leave? All of those things. And and, and it's exactly the same. So, you know, especially when you're starting out, it doesn't need to be an extensive marketing plan, just like a bit of a plan to get you started, isn't it? And then that will grow and develop as you go. Yeah. And you learn what things are missing in your plan as you do it. So get a good enough plan to go and fill in the gaps as you learn what the gaps are. Because I think some people are like, I need like this amazing strategy that's going to answer every question and I've been in that place before, but actually taking action is where you're going to learn most and where you're going to fill the gaps on that strategy, find the gaps on that strategy or that 
plan of action and um, and fill them in and make it better. So it's got to be good enough, but just to get you going and to make life easier for you because you know what you're doing, where you're going, which is always helpful. <laughs> Um, going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, this question has just popped in my head. I thought it would be a good one. Um, so you always had these side hustles on the go. And then obviously you have now made the bold decision to go all in. And yeah. I think that, that is something that a lot of people struggle with, whether that's like a, a mentally I'm going to commit to going all in or there's a more complicated thing of like I need to quit my job and like, when's the right time what was it for you what was the point that made you go I'm gonna go all in now I think there were a number of factors one having a family and kind of thinking that my daughter Ruby starts school this September and I want the time freedom whilst Mm. a business never gives you freedom because it becomes like for me it's another baby (laughs) but you know I spend just as much time on as I do my kids um but I want to choose my own terms of when I work and how I work um so having my kids like really brought that to light in terms of I want to be there for them I want to see them grow up I want to manage the school holidays without the stress of what do I do around childcare and all that kind of stuff so it was that but also I think I'd got to the point in my NHS career that I knew I'd done everything I could and I really loved my job I mean my job was around help helping patients in a way of like I designed services to make them better with clinicians and make sure that what the NHS was delivering was so much better than before I'd started working on that project so it was really fulfilling in that way but it just it just wasn't my calling and I think I'd got so far in my career I always thought I'd be a chief executive of a hospital and I, was, I got to just below board level so I was close I was in reaching distance of it but when I got that far I was like this isn't what I want mm. and and I think getting that close and then deciding actually if I continue down this road it's going to be even harder to make the switch I think that really dawned on me and as I said that conversation with someone saying well why don't you just do the marketing stuff that was the final piece because it was like well, yeah, I could do stuff that I really loved all of the time and I don't need to find another vehicle to just do the stuff I love doing. And I think that was the kind of, yes, this is the right idea for me. Um, so it's a kind of a point in my career, having the family and and getting that right idea. And all of those pieces, I think, needed to slot together to give me the courage to say, now's the time to take the leap. Christina, I end all of my podcasts in exactly the same way. Um, So I would love to know who (laughs) inspires you. I find this question really hard as there's no one person that I can think of that really inspires me. And I take inspiration from like everywhere, really people that are taking action to build the life that they dream about. So my clients, you, Charlie, people that I'm working with in the mastermind, my friends who's quitting her job because she knows that there's something better out there for her. My son who can climb up really high heights to get the bag of crisps that he wants. <laughs> Paul who could negotiate with NATO if she chose to. Um, but I think all of that's down to my mum because she always taught me that 
I could do anything I wanted to if I put my mind to it. And I think that's really, you know, going back to the start of our conversation, it's that tenacity, isn't it? It's like, I know I can do this. I just need to figure out how. And I think some people who feel like they're failing or that things haven't gone quite as they wanted them to and not letting themselves believe in themselves to be able to do it and potentially give up too soon um, before they've hit that success. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, A book that you would recommend? Um, We Should All Be Millionaires. And I heard about it on your, on the mastermind that I'm on with you. I love love it because it does. And it talks about that the, you know, the playing field isn't even and it's not even. But even with that in mind, you can still create success and don't let it be an excuse for you. Let it be the reason why you find a way to, you know, keep going and and get to where you want to be. And yeah, I just love it because it also, you know, she doesn't she shouldn't be around the bush to show <laughs> you've read it. Absolutely love it. I love it. Um, and finally, what piece of advice would you give to a fellow entrepreneur? I think just keep going build that plan of action fill in the banks as you go whether that's your marketing strategy plan of action or your overall business or your sales strategy and just figure out what works and then when you figure out what works try and find a way to automate it because being an entrepreneur is is really hard there's so many plates spinning and if you can give yourself a break on having to do all of the things then definitely take it (laughs) christina thank you so much for joining us today Um, Can you let everyone know where they can find you, where they can follow you and where they can reach out if they need some of your marketing support? Sure. Um, I've got a website, which is christina-rutherford.com and it's Christina with a K. And then I'm also on Instagram at um, Christina Growth Strategist. So you can find me there and feel free to drop me a DM. Awesome. And I'll put all of the links in the show notes. Thank you so much, Christina. Thank you. My final podcast sponsor for this episode is Natalie Skinner at The Fixer. Natalie is absolutely fabulous. And if you are wearing too many hats, trying to do a million and one things and finding that there are never enough hours in the day, then maybe it's time to work smarter rather than harder and introduce proven tools and systems that can keep your business moving forward without the overwhelm or stress. Not sure where to start? Natalie Skinner at The Fixer specializes in putting systems and processes in place to transform your customer journey, allowing you to scale with ease and reclaim your time to focus on what really matters to you. You can get in touch with Natalie in the show notes are all her contact details. Thanks for listening.